Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Fantastic to have you today. I have Richard Smith. Now, Richard is uh, the founder of Keto Pro, and he is an expert in the keto diet and exogenous ketones. He has uh, a history as a bodybuilder. Um, he was uh, Great Britain uh, leading bodybuilding champion champ for a while. He's also got a very interesting backstory, which I found really fascinating, of being this young man who was very overweight, had a lot of acne, had arthritis, the age of 27, diabetic, everything else going wrong. And he turns his life around and he shares on this very emotional uh journey of turning his life around and, and what the keto diet played in this uh, role um, and how excess carbs and vegetable oils especially are uh, a major problem in our diet. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Richard Smith. Um, we are going to be importing uh, these exogenous ketones from Richard Smith's uh, company, hopefully within the, in the near future. So that is the goal. I love exogenous ketones. Um, I'm on them myself. My mum is on them, certainly for cancer. It's a huge thing to have this in the mix as well. Um, and having the exogenous product, uh, taking ketones, just really helps your body get into ketosis and makes it a little easier, especially in that transition phase. Uh, but really uh, fascinating conversation today all around diet, lifestyle, and everything else around health. Uh, before we head over, I want you to check out too, please, our longevity and anti-aging supplements at NMM Bio. These both developed by Dr. Elena Serenova, a molecular biologist um, who has founded the company and top quality, and this really works in synergy and is a it helps with methylation. Methylation is just such an important process. So make sure you go and check out the blog on the synergy between these two products that are on our website and make sure you check out all the uh, podcasts that I've done with uh, Dr. Alina as well on the podcast and on the website. So go over to nmnbio.nz. Right, over to the show with Richard Smith. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have a very, very interesting man with me, Richard. Richard Little. Um, Richard Little, that was my last uh, guest. Sorry. Richard Smith. Shall we start that again? Um, Richard. <laughs> Been called worse. <laughs> Richard Little's an awesome dude as well. Does uh, robotics and, and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, not a bad person to be mixed up with. Um, so, Rich, you are Mr. Keto, basically. You have an incredible backstory, and I'd like to introduce my audience to you and what you do, um, and just tell them a little bit about you. Because yeah, when I came across you and, and I read your backstory and stuff, I was just like, "Wow, that's pretty. That's pretty awesome." And you got the photos to back it up as well. Um, so, whereabouts are you from, and what's your little, you know, your backstory? So, based in South Wales in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, in my mid to late twenties, I was clinically obese. Uh, I was diabetic, uh, suffered with chronic fatigue, depression, anxiety, daily, uh, daily debilitating migraines that would make me blind, uh, as well as sort of arthritic pains. I was covered in acne. Um, I could barely walk up the stairs without stopping and being out of, uh, out of breath. Uh, and as many do, I put it down to genetics mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not, uh, yeah, <laughs> genetics and, um, yeah. and, and getting older. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't be, uh, further from the truth. I, I couldn't, I couldn't have been more wrong. You know, um, I tried every sort of diet and lifestyle that you can think of and nothing seemed to work. 
um, sort of almost to the point, uh, you feel like throwing in the towel and, and giving up. Um, but I hated the way I looked. I hated the fact I didn't have energy and it just, it didn't, didn't sit right with me. It didn't seem normal. Um, I didn't have any background at the time in, in nutrition. Um, I thought I was eating healthy. I was eating mm-hmm. to the UK's um, food pyramid yeah. uh, and the eat well plate. Uh, and, and sort of, I, I, I sort of did come in and out of eating unhealthy uh, as most of us do. Yep. But on the times that I was eating what I believe to be healthy, I found that I was gaining more weight yep. uh, and I felt uh, worse. I, I felt worse for it. Uh, the lethargy and, and the migraines. I think the migraines for me were probably the worst. I used to get these daily debilitating migraines that would make me blind. Wow. Um, for which I was on three different types of medication for. Um, and I'd have to take these medication every day. And they would, they would constantly, I'd constantly have a headache, uh, no matter what I was doing, which it would restrict you from doing quite a lot of things. Um, and you couldn't go anywhere. You'd always be scared, you know, to, to, to go too far from the house or um, on days out because the, the stress and anxiety and everything would build up and it'd sort of fuel this sort of uh, the effects of the migraines. Um, and I didn't really know what to do, but I knew the bread bloated me. So I thought, I'm going to stop eating bread. <laughs> wow. wow. So I stopped eating bread and within four weeks, and I wasn't dieting per se. I was, I was being careful with what I was eating. Um, I was trying to, to, you know, at the time I was caught up in the whole caloric value. Yeah. In, calories, calories out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I mean, I've gone completely away from. Mm, me too. I'm not saying that it's not a factor, but it um, it's not the be on and end of for certain. But you know, maybe we can touch base on that a little bit later on. But um, at the time, I felt that uh, if I can restrict bread and reduce the size of the bloat in my belly, mm-hmm. that I would feel better for it. So I, I I didn't I had no intention at the time of losing weight, and I didn't think that cutting bread would have that effect. But I lost twenty eight pounds in four weeks. Gosh! Um, so two, so I had a lot of weight. <laughs> I had a lot of weight to lose, um, and it, it came off. It came off quickly, it, and it was purely through restricting bread and other foods that contain sort of breadcrumbs. But I was still eating other foods that I thought um, were healthy, and I, I bumped into a friend of mine, and um, he he was shocked by the amount of weight that I had lost within that four weeks. And, uh, and he mentioned ketosis to me. Mm-hmm. And I'd never heard of keto, keto lifestyle, keto diet, whatever you want to call it. So I looked into it and I tested. I tested on the little test strips to see if I was you know, producing ketones. And I wasn't. And, and I was shocked and a little bit disheartened because I thought, well, I'm going through all of this. After researching yeah. and seeing sort of you know, the, the benefits, uh, after testing and finding that I wasn't producing ketones, I was uh, a little bit heartbroken. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I was still eating foods that I thought were healthy. I was still eating grains. Mm-hmm. I was eating my, my muesli for breakfast, ah. and my rice and my pasta you know, with, with, with my lean chicken. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> One um, of my failings, rice. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny because chicken I, I don't eat a lot of these days i've, I've moved more to you know the, the red fatty cuts of meat um but I, I i sort of followed uh you know what i could find online as closely as i could and it took me a further two weeks to become ketogenic 
Wow. And they were the worst two weeks of my life. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not oh. saying this very well, am I? No, no, because um, it's the true. You, you're transitioning into a keto state, yeah, and that can be the keto flu, pretty, pretty yeah. brutal. <laughs> and, and I didn't have any understanding of the keto flu. Um, you know, your body's releasing this. Uh, it's going through a, a, a detoxification. Detox, yeah. Mm. Um, and you feel lethargic uh i uh, my headaches sort of became worse um muggy headed and just 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 this tiredness this overwhelming tiredness and it, it was to the point that um you know it made me feel like throwing in the towel but yeah i persevered and i went to bed one night and i honestly thought that i <laughs> i thought that i was gonna die wow. um my body was craving sugar so much um and sugar is a drug oh yeah it's more addictive than heroin um and this was me sort of going cold turkey and coming off my drug and it you know we're told to listen to our bodies uh, and i think if there's one time not to it's when you're quitting sugar <laughs> very true um, you know so it this the sugar was screaming you know at me from the kitchen come and eat me uh, and i and i thought no do you know what my life was such a poor quality that if i couldn't beat this it was almost the point that I'd rather not be around, as sad as that wow. sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. And I went to bed. I woke up the next day feeling the best that I ever felt. And um, I was migraine-free. My energy was through the roof. Um, I'd never felt better. Uh, and it was life-changing. And that was just the beginning for me. So over the, over the course of the next 12 months, or 12 months in total, I lost £107. Pounds. Shit. Over seven stone, reversed my diabetes, uh, no longer suffered with migraines. Um, my aches and pains are gone. I'm acne free. And I used to be plastered in acne from head to toe. Wow. No matter what I did, I couldn't get rid of it. Um, and my energy, I, w- I was full of energy. Depression, anxiety, I think is, is almost like a spectrum. I don't think things like that you can you know, get rid of completely. Um, but it was to the point that um, it was crippling for me so much that I would rarely leave my house other than to, to leave for, for work. At the time, I was a purchasing manager for an electrical engineering company. And um, most days, my car would be parked on my drive about two feet away from my front door. And the anxiety was so bad that if there was somebody walking in the street or a car driving past, I wouldn't be able to go outside until they had gone. And a lot of people used to think that you now maybe I was rude, but it as sad as it sounds, it was more to do with not feeling worthy of their company, uh, not feeling worthy to be around wow. other people. Yep. Um, I, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go shopping. You know, in in daytime, uh, I'd go out of hours. I I couldn't go alone. I, I wouldn't go anywhere by myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all this sort of went away over the course of that twelve months, and it it was life changing. Hell yeah! Um, absolutely incredible, and I. Everybody sort of in, in the beginning, people are amazed and they're like, oh, this is incredible. And then sort of further down the line, um, I think the jealousy sort of creeps in because people that I thought were friends would come and say, oh, look, you know, this is, you're going too far with this. This can't be healthy. But the, I, this is the best that I'd ever felt. I'd yeah. never felt better. How can something that makes me feel this good be bad for me? And there was a lot less sort of especially within the UK uh, in regards to um, studies and knowledge regarding, you know, uh, keto ketosis. 
in a ketogenic state. And it um it's it was difficult for me at the time because we're taught from such a young age that eating lots of protein is bad for you, eating you know, lots of saturated fats is bad for you. Um, and that's what I used to get a lot of was um, what about your cholesterol? Mm-hmm. What about the volume of protein you're eating? Mm-hmm. Um, you need carbs. Your body can't live without carbohydrates. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it, um, so it, I, I think it's, 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 it's easy to find information to back a belief. So if you were to go on to Google and search for something that you believed in, uh, you know, why, why, does eat, why is eating mud good for me? You know, if, if you look for that, you will find three things on Google to tell you why this is good for you. Yeah. Um, yet, we don't all run outside eating mud all day, you know? Yeah. Um, so for me, it was something that I didn't understand. So I wasn't trying to find information to back up a belief. I was almost trying to find information to disprove how I was feeling. But I couldn't find it, despite everybody telling us cholesterol is bad for you. Living in a ketogenic state is bad for you. You can't live without carbs. All of the real, there was lots of sort of um, websites with opinions uh, of people saying that we need carbs and cholesterol is bad, saturated fats are bad. But when you look at the scientific evidence, there is an abundant amount of scientific studies which say the opposite. And mm-hmm. I, was like, I, was, I was dumbfounded that this, this information wasn't difficult to find, yet mm-hmm. it's not in mainstream media. No. Um, doesn't fit the food of... pyramid. It doesn't fit the big food industry that's, you know, in government and with their, their – I mean, I had a professor on last week, um, and he was saying he believed all of that, you know, back in the day. And he's keto. He's written the book, uh, The Bio Diet, which is all keto. Uh, and and how, how misled we are how the, the food industry has, has turned it all upside down and governments with their food pyramid, you know, eat your grains, eat your five slices of bread a day, eat your, uh, lots of fruit, um, you know, not too much fat, not too much, you know, the, you know um, there's, there's, there's no nuance to it for starters. Like you've got to explain what's a good fat, what's a bad fat, because there's a hell of a difference. And then there's just, it's upside down. <laughs> it <laughs> you is, know? yeah. Yeah. It is, and it um, it was it was shocking. It um, it it completely turned everything that I thought I knew about nutrition on its head. Um, and it was it was so life changing. I started doing keto coaching, mm-hmm. so I I started coaching people for free, friends and family. Um, these people that were the naysayers, I sort of removed them fr- from my life. I call them the black holes. Um, they, they've sort of gone away, and and you think you can't help but think that. It was almost to do with jealousy. I mean, I'm the type of person who will support a friend and a family member yeah. if they're achieving something and they're improving their health and well-being. And these people come out and they can see that you're making progress. And it's almost like because it's something they can't do or they're not willing to try or believe in, um, then it's something that they're not willing to back. And it's a, it's a, it's a sad sort of state to be. It is, and I think yeah. these people are, are drains and they're black holes. So I've, I've removed them from my life. Um, and I carried on with, with the coaching and sort of beyond that i the, the business wasn't generating an awful lot of money but i i walked away from my job mm-hmm. so i was a purchaser manager for an engineering company and i walked away to start keto pro my keto coaching company um barely taken a wage since we started over four years ago uh, all the money's gone back into uh product development i love that this, i know that company. story well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> pulling it back all over, pulling yeah, it, growing this, it, growing it. Uh, Brilliant. Do you know what? I think, um, yeah, if the amount of times I've thought about going back to work for somebody else because, you know, the, the, it, it doesn't pay. I, I'm not, um, I, I'm probably in the worst position I've, I've been in for a long time. Yeah. But I think we do this because, or at least I, I felt that I, I, I'd found a secret. Yeah. And I, and it was a secret that I want to tell the world about. And I'll tell anybody that wants to listen to me. <laughs> uh, and, I'll, and I'll speak to them and, and baffle them for hours about, about everything that I've sort of learned over the years and things, you know. Um, but I retrained as a nutritionist. Not that that has a great deal of back in mind because what they teach you is, is the is opposite. Wrong as well. Yeah. But yeah. It, um, it's, it's almost a case of just getting this piece of paper to yeah. say that, you know, you, you, can, you can do what you well can do. Well done. Um, <laughs> <but> it, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we went into sit in the and lectures and hear the opposite. But it's just yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's it's scary. It's scary what they teach. Yeah. Um, and as sad as it sounds, most of my sort of evenings are spent uh, looking at um, clinical trials and research papers, um, and and trying to understand. And, and this this nutrition. <laughs> you sound of, like um, me. Like at two o'clock in the morning, <laughs> I'm reading <a> clinical research. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I totally get idea. it. You go down a rabbit hole, eh? It, it just, is, and yeah. it is, and and the deeper you go, the sort of more warrens there are with it within this. And and I've sort of gone so deep at the moment um, that I've gone carnivore. Mm-hmm. So I've even removed sort of um, plants and, and everything else out, out of my diet. Uh, I, I say carnivore. I'm, I'm probably around ninety five percent carnivore generally. Um, and and for me. That seems to be working incredibly well. It's almost like um, sort of keto was right up the other end of the scale for me, and this has just taken it that that you know one step further. Um, so you're a re- relentless experimenter with yourself, and that's that's a key point. Like sometimes you know, like I, over the years, I've tried so many different things and gone up alleys that oh that wasn't the right one, you know do a pivot, go this way. Uh, and, and I like that. I like being an N of one, you know. I like being a scientist of my own body and like yeah. to control what I put in my body. I don't like other people to tell me what I should or shouldn't do. And, you know, I think that, you know, that that attitude is also really beneficial when you're dealing with something, you know, like my mum's cancer journey that I've been talking about on this podcast for the last few weeks. Um, I can't wait for clinical trials, I can tell you that much. Because she'll be gone if I do. So what do I do? I experiment. I try. I get best advice I possibly can. Develop protocols. Try this. Test. 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 See what's yeah. working. You know, and and that's that's a really good approach, I think. Yeah. You know, and, li- yeah. and yeah, sort of listening in that case to your body, what's actually happening to it. You know. <clears throat> yes, and it. Um, I've, I, you know, I'm, I'm ketogenic, um, but I'm not wedded to any sort of one path if that means as you say i'm open to experimenting um i'm not anti-carb um i've experimented with carbs i've experimented with carb cycling carb loading carb refeeding um it doesn't work for me regardless of the source i I can get away with it um i don't notice any benefit per se um i certainly feel better on zero carb um but I'm not. I'm not anti-carb. I think everybody works differently. I think mm. there's there's um there's a way and means to do it. Should you know? Should you find that? Especially we we work with some athletes, professional yep. athletes, and we find that um they do uh, benefit from being ketogenic 
and also utilizing carbs. Absolutely. And, and, and others don't, um, but it, it certainly doesn't work for me, you know. Um, and I think this is a, that's a key point because, you know, I do genetics. It, there is a massive difference in genes. You know, some people are more suited. Like if you come from sub-Saharan Africa or something, you're going to be completely different to someone who was born in Nor- Norway or um, if you're African-American or you're, you're going to have very different makeups in yeah. what you will work with. You know, like my body does need a little bit more carbs on average than the average person. Um, <clears throat> a lot of my Maori and P- Pacific Island um, uh, friends, their genetics are, and I, I'm, I'm Maori, but I didn't really inherit that side of it. Have a have a much more have much bigger need to go low carb, low carb. Yeah. Because that's what we genetically, you know, yeah, develop yeah. doing. So you know, knowing that and understanding those that that nuance again is also very important. So what works for Rich might not work for Lisa, might not work exactly. for. So there's there is room for that nuance as well. For sure, for sure, yeah. So I, I, I'm all for experimenting. Um, I'm constantly experimenting um, with with supplements as well. Um, I've had great deal of success through. Uh, you know the MCT oils and C8 mm. powders and things that we we produce and the exogenous ketones. Um, that's not to say that you need them, you know, to to to, to live a ketogenic. You know, I'm I'm I manufacture supplements, um, but I don't push supplements on anyone. I think you need to start on a solid foundation, and you can you can water, you know, that that foundation or that ground all you like. But until you've planted that seed, nothing's going to grow. And the first thing that I try to teach people is, is to strip it back down to, to basics. Um, so we've been doing talks recently um, within sort of local communities, and we've been doing they've, they've been free talks. I've I've called them sort of an introduction to the keto diet or keto lifestyle. Um, but I think more than half of the presentation is to do with re-educating people about real nutrition. So we break down, um, you know, when we look at the keto sort of rules. Um, most would begin their keto rules with low carb. But my first sort of keto rule is to cut the grain. Um, and the second, my second keto rule is to drop the vegetables and seed oils. Mm. Um, and I think whether you decide to go down uh, the ketogenic journey, the keto- ketogenic route, by eliminating grains and seed oils from your diet is going to massively improve your health and well-being. Yeah. Uh, and and one of the things that we we talk about within these presentations is we you show the effects that that these you know these foods are having on on the gut. Um, the foods that we, we are eating affect you know the way that we absorb nutrients. Um, the grains that we we are eating uh, contain lectins. Lectins like phytohemoglobin and wheat germoglobin break down into a protein called gliadin, and gliadin binds to the enterocytes lining the gut. And it causes the release of a molecule called zonulin. I'm preaching to the choir here, I know. But, you know <laughs> this is brilliant. Yeah. Keep yeah, going. And this, I'm learning. <laughs> this, this, this release of zonulin causes a gap in the tight junction between the epithelial cells, which allows these undigested sort of protein molecules to travel into the bloodstream. Into blood. mm. Where the, the, the body creates antibodies because they see them as a foreign invader. Mm. But through a process called molecular mimicry, the body starts attacking other proteins in the body that look the same. Now, this, this is autoimmune disease. So grains pay or play a, a massive role in, uh, in, in autoimmune disease. And I think when you come to healing the body, healing the gut is sort of job number one. 
and grains. There are other foods which are high in lectins, but grains are certainly sort of, you know, one of the worst and one of the, the first we should remove. And this is without looking at the effect of glyphosate and, and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also... grains, as we know today, damage our gut. And, and these lectins cause intestinal permeability in everybody, uh, whether, you know, you're celiacs uh, or, or not, you know, it... Um, so, so, so when you say grains, can you like break that down for people? Because people get, okay, bread, they know that. What are the yeah. other grains they need to watch out? Like your muesli, like what, what, what is it? Yes. You know, so, like rolled yeah. oats. What, where do you draw the line? You like, because yeah, a lot of people argue rolled oats are healthy. What's your take on that? So my take, now this is where it gets super confusing. So when yeah. I do the talks, um, I just class them as grains. Because I think it's easier for people to follow something, the simpler it is. Mm-hmm. So if you can remove all grains, bread, pasta, rice, your cereals, um, that's a good place to start. But when we come back to white rice, for example, you know, white rice is very low in lectins. Um, so you can probably get away with keeping low rice in your diet and have it not affecting your gut. Uh, in the ways that um, that wheat would. Mm-hmm. But I think it gets confusing then, um, you know, you're yeah. telling people sort yeah. of don't eat brown rice and don't eat all these other things, but you can eat. And then, the, you know, it's easy to overconsume because the other the other problem with... Especially um, rice. It's, <laughs> it's low exact, weakness. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and it's, these foods are still super high in carbohydrates. Yeah. And if you are insulin sensitive, you know, these are only causing damage within the body. Um, and I think uh, when we look at... Um, all sort of modern disease, everything comes back to insulin resistance and inflammation. Excess um, carbs, yeah, excess carbs, yeah. insulin, and then you the metabolic dysregulation, the you know the the middle age spread that everyone talks about. Like suddenly I've put on weight and I'm not doing anything different. That's yeah. insulin resistance. That's the body telling you you're heading in the wrong direction. And there's hormonal changes in the in the mix as well that is making you more sensitive to carbs. And so as you get older become more prone to this so what you got away with at 20 you're not going to get away with at 50 exactly exactly yeah. and it um a, a lot of people sort of will ask the question well i've had my bloods done i'm not diabetic therefore i'm not insulin resistant yeah except in, insulin resistance happens over a long time so you can when we get our bloods tested um they're looking at blood glucose levels but insulin rises to sort of continue to, to keep us healthy and drive know these nutrients into the cells um so insulin will rise over time and it'll, it'll continue to rise until the point where it can't rise anymore and the second it sort of crosses over this is where we see blood glucose start to come up and this is where we're diagnosed with diabetes but this this insulin resistance is 10 to 15 years old you know it, it started 10 to 15 years ago so a lot of people will say well how do i know if i'm insulin resistant and i think most of us as a society are as a general rule um, but one of the best ways I think we can tell is through the muffin top. So yeah. if we have a little bit of inflammation, overhand, yes, yeah. over the midsection, over our belt, then that's a pretty good indication of, of, uh, of being insulin resistant. And I think that probably accounts for the majority uh, you know, of the population. Um, and, and this is where we come back to carbs. I'm not uh, anti-carb, but then if you are insulin resistant or you're building up this, this insulin resistance, it's important to reduce the carbohydrates so you can improve this insulin resistance. So again, the consumption of carbohydrates is, is, is dependent from person to person. 
Um, I can get away with consuming lots of carbs now because I'm insulin sensitive. I just choose not to generally. Um, But yeah, it, uh, this, this whole sort of um, re-education piece, you know, this is what we're trying to teach people that, um, that these foods are causing inflammation and insulin resistance. And one of the factors that many sort of um, overlook is, you know, people look at the caloric model and they, you know, this, uh, X amount of calories, calories in, calories out. And this system is flawed and it's flawed for a number of reasons. Mm. Um, calories need to be accounted for, but it, it doesn't account for, for, for a lot of things. Um, it doesn't account for the thermic effect of foods at a basic level. So if we were to look at the UK's um, eat well plate and look at um, uh, the volume of macronutrients as far as carbohydrates and proteins go um, on a standard sort of 2000 calorie diet, uh, if we were to swap the the volume, the the caloric value from the carbohydrates and the caloric value of the protein, so raising the protein up, so we're equal to the volume of of, of calories and dropping to that um, dropping those carbohydrates down to the volume of the protein, we'd see. I think off the top of my head, it was around about three hundred eight or three hundred eighty. I think it was actually uh, calories difference in in the thermic effect. So the thermic wow. effect is the amount of calories yeah. that are spent. Uh, for that to burn uh, the process, yeah, that macronutrient. So just by doing that, 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 that 380 calorie difference um, could equate to, to stones over the course of, you know, over a year or two. Um, so even at a basic level, the caloric model is flawed yeah. and it doesn't account then for um, being ketogenic and the body's ability to, to waste energy as far as sort of... Um, yeah, and your metabolic rate that, that changes with the, you know, like um, and people have heard me speak so often about how I used to think one of the reasons I started running was to lose weight because I was, I was never fat, I was never really obese, but I was like five kilos overweight, five, six kilos, too heavy, uh, and, and I started running. So I got into it. <laughs> and then I... Wasn't losing weight, so I just ran further and then ran further and ran further. It became my sport, right? <laughs> but in all that time, I was still the same weight. I still couldn't shift that extra five kilos that I was carrying on my bum and my thighs and my belly. You know, it was just that much too much. And 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 it was a pain for a runner because you're meant to be light, right? And I just thought, well, it's my genetics, you know. And and when I ran through New Zealand and I did 2,250 kilometers in 42 days, like that's 52 marathons in 42 days, and I put on weight, that's oh when God. I went, hang on a minute. Something's not right. This shit's not working. <laughs> it only took me 25 <laughs> years to work it out. <laughs> and, and this is where I, you know, got right into genetics and understanding the, the, uh, that influence on it. And I was doing the wrong type of exercise. I was doing it at the wrong type of day and I was doing it for way long. It was causing massive inflammation. My hormones were out of balance. So I was holding everything possible because my body thought, oh, we're gonna we we she's never gonna stop, so we better hold every bit of food that she gets and keep it right. So I was actually, and I would do an ultra marathon. So I would go to someone like Morocco or or Death Valley or something, and do this massive race, and I would lose weight, and at the end I'd lose weight for a, a couple of kilos, and I'd be like, ah, awesome. And then within two weeks, I'd put five back on. Yeah, you know, like it was a seesaw, and I was just like, why am I, you know, and 
being an endurance athlete, you have to eat carbs, you know, carb loading, pasta parties, you know, that's sort of the mentality yeah. of the mar- marathon. And, you know, I wasn't keto, I wasn't fat adapted, I didn't know anything about that. Um, and so I just, you know, I had to fuel, 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 fuel. And you do when you're carb, when you're a carb athlete, you have to fuel all the time. And I'm not saying all athletes should cut out carbs completely. That's definitely a personal decision and something you want to do. And over time, if you want to become a fat adapted athlete, um, but you know, once you're on that roller coaster of having to eat every bloody 20 minutes, you know, when you're doing an ultra, you, cause otherwise you hit the wall. You, you yeah. run out of carbs, you run out of glycogen, you feel like shit, you can't move, your body won't keep running. And so what do you do? You eat more carbs yeah, and electrolytes and then off you go again, you know, and you, and you can keep that going. But now what we're seeing with fat-adapted athletes that are doing these super, super long things, they don't need to be fueling. In fact, they can run 100K and not have need. They don't hit the wall. So some of the athletes we were working with um, – one of the guys is a gentleman called uh, Shane Williams. He's uh, an ex-pro rugby player in the UK. And uh, I do Shane's nutrition. Shane was a rugby player, so he was a sprint athlete. Mm-hmm. And now he's gone to um, endurance. So he does triathlons uh, and Ironman competitions. Um, he did um, something for charity in October last year where he ran on mile. Uh, on day one, he ran one mile. Day two was two miles all the way up to... 30 days so day 30 was 30 miles mm-hmm. having done 29 the day before yeah um, and this is wow. someone who doesn't run sort of long distance and he was sure. fueled by our electrolytes and our c8 oil and that was it and he said that um he never hit the wall because as you as you know when you're adapted our our energy is here it's stored within the body we never hit that wall um and this is you know one of the advantages of being a keto adapted athlete you know uh, and coming back to what you were saying about um sort of these carb loading uh things with um do, doing these big events pasta again high in lectins and these these lectins coming back to the, the caloric value lectins bind to insulin receptors causing up to five times more fat storage than insulin itself wow so not only are we getting the the you know the, the caloric value and, and the insulin spike um but we're also getting the effect on on these um on on the insulin on on the lectins bind into the insulin receptors and it causes five times more fat storage up up to five times wow which is crazy so again this this is where like the 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 caloric model gets broken down because it's not accounting for this it's you know it's not accounting for the effects of lectins um and uh, as a double sort of kick in the teeth these lectins when they bind to um you know, the microvilli line in the gut, they prevent the absorption of other nutrients. Mm-hmm. So if, if you can imagine our microvilli is like this, and we've got all of this sort of surface area to absorb nutrients. When, uh, you know, wheat germ or gluten in, you know, come into the body, they sort of do this and, and they bind, you know, causing sort of much uh, a much lower sort of surface area for, for nutrients to be absorbed. So suddenly, you know, the body's only got this sort of, this sort of surface area. Wow. So we're consuming these foods. Um, we're consuming our pasta with our chicken for our protein to repair, but then our bodies are not getting all the protein that we need to repair. So again, yeah. we end up eating more, and it's it's this vicious it's this vicious cycle. Um, so yeah, it that that whole sort of caloric model is completely blown out the water. Um, and f- for me, uh, when I was consuming carbs, if I was to eat around sort of two two and a half thousand calories on a carbohydrate diet. I would gain weight regularly, hand over fist. 
now that I'm ketogenic, I consume around about 5,000 per yeah. day. Yeah. And um, as you know from our previous talks, I, I compete in um, in men's physique. Yeah. Um, so from, from going from being clinically obese and diabetic and suffering with all these ailments, in order to promote the business, um, I think when people look at uh, or, or they think of someone who's fit and healthy, it's quite physical, isn't it? I know that's quite narrow-minded, but it, um, if you can build a good physique and, and you're lean and shredded and ripped, it, it gives that impression, doesn't it? That, uh, Absolutely, yeah. You know, so <laughs> sure <I'm>, does. <laughs> and, and the common misconception that we need carbohydrates to build muscle. So I knew that early on, after all this weight loss, I still had the, the ability to build lean muscle mass. So I wanted to prove to people that living keto you know, was healthy, was sustainable. I was still able to, to build lean muscle. So uh, I began competing in, in, in amateur men's physique competitions. Um, I trained for a year and I told everybody that I was going to compete. Uh, and friends and family begged me not to because they said, you're just going to embarrass yourself. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, my God. That's terrible. Um, where where is this the is, support? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, but it, it, I think it came down to people knew how bad my anxiety was. And, you know, this is someone who could barely leave the house when there was somebody walking in the street. And the because you had a, on, you were sick. Yeah. And, and when and you're sick, of, you're going to have anxiety. Yeah. And the, and to, to still think about it this day, it still sort of petrifies me. But to go from that and to walk on stage in essentially your pants yeah. in front of hundreds of people is a massive sort of turnaround. Um, and Huge. I did it. it. It was a struggle. I remember walking on stage and my legs went to jelly, but I did it and I came second. Wow. Um, and I posted the pictures and, and all of these people who, who doubted, you know, and said you shouldn't do keto, they all came out of the woodwork and said, oh, I knew you could do it. <laughs> and, no, you didn't. Love it. <laughs> just love it. This is this bullshit, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, like, I, I, I have to tell you a little story I had when... I came back from, I lived for 13 years in Austria and I'd been doing ultra marathons for 10 years and I came back and um, I wanted to do Death Valley, which is the hardest, toughest race on the planet. And I got a spot in it and I knew that I was ready. I'd been doing this stuff for years, but my brother, who was a professional rugby player at the time, um, <clears throat> he was like, you're going to embarrass the family. You're going to dishonor the family. Because you, you can't be out there in the public because I had to raise all this money to go, right? And I had to be out there and promoting myself, uh, you know, and, and that, that was that was what, what, what he said to me. And, you know, we ended up having a big fight over it. And um, and then I went off to Death, Death Valley and did it. <laughs> did bloody well. I didn't win it, but I was never going <laughs> to. I got, you know, number nine in the world in the ranking. And wow. uh and I, and then I came back and I did it again the next year and then I ran, you know, did all the other stuff. And then he came to, with me on my run through New Zealand and at the very end when I'd finished, crossed that finish line, 2,000 kilometres, he came and apologised. And he said, I have to eat my hat. You're the toughest bitch I know. And uh, yeah. you didn't dishonour the family, you know. Yeah, and, and and that was huge for me, you know. And, and now he's my biggest yeah. backer and he's awesome. Um, but it was sh it was shifting that belief, you know, that you can't do it because I've never seen you do anything like that before. And then you, who the hell do you think you are? Yeah. And that tall poppy syndrome is very big in New Zealand, you know, unfortunately. And what I love is when I, when I get athletes and we're working with athletes or whatever, and we're working with people like just normal everyday people, not, not 
top athletes. I call them all athletes, though, right? And my mum is an athlete as far as I'm concerned, 80 years old and still, you know, you treat them that way. They become that. Um, you, when you get alongside them and you believe in them and you say, hey, and this is the way to go, here's, here's the plan and I know you got this, and you watch them rise to the occasion. And then, and that's so powerful. And instead of going around saying, you can't do that. Oh, that's dangerous. Oh, that's scary. Oh, no, you can't do that. Don't risk that. You know, like, where, where the hell is the guts and the courage of the people? You know, like, well, let's encourage people. So, I mean, it's just a funny anecdote, you know. And, like, if, I'll post a couple of the pictures in the show notes, people, of <laughs> Rich competing. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you are ripped beyond ripped. Uh, the yeah. proof is in the pudding. The proof is in absolutely in the pudding. <laughs> Excuse the funny pun there, but um, you know what I mean. <laughs> in the kitchen pudding. <laughs> like nobody can argue with you when you see those pictures. Nobody's no. going to argue with you anymore, and, and that's cool. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatarmity.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatarmity.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month New Zealand or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatarmity.com and thanks very much for joining us. It's it. The beauty as well is that I'm not genetically gifted. Um, you know, my genetics, if you know, if we're looking at, at genes, um, are pretty poor. You know, my family all have issues. And at one point I was the worst of of, of, of everybody. Uh, mine have completely cleared up. But to go from being clinically obese and diabetic and suffering with all of these things, being able to, unable to walk up the stairs to uh to, to become a British champion in my category wow. within three to four years of being ketogenic. It, um, it's a massive testament to live in the way that I do. And um, I think that, uh, yes, a lot of hard work has gone into training, but I couldn't do that hard work when I was on carbs. Mm. My energy is a lot better. My recovery is a lot better. Um, I've got the ability to, you know, to burn fat for fuel and to build muscle. And there's a lot of studies uh, and we reference these in the talks that show that, uh, the co-ingestion of carbohydrates along with protein do not um, stimulate muscle protein synthesis any more than just protein ingestion alone. Mm. So eating carbs doesn't make you grow muscle any quicker. Um, but what does increase muscle protein synthesis is the co-ingestion of fat with protein. So being ketogenic. So <laughs> um, my macros are a lot different to the standard sort of macros. I, I don't believe that we should maintain and again everybody's different but we're told 70 percent calories from fat 
and, and limit the, you know, the protein to 20, yeah. 25%. I prioritize protein. I think protein should be prioritized. I think it's a good starting point to begin with higher fat to help induce a ketogenic state, giving your body that energy to, to switch over to help combat the keto flu. Um, and you're almost giving your body this, this, this energy that's there readily available and it helps that transition. Um, but I think after sort of two to three weeks, we should concentrate on increasing the protein. And by quite a lot, I think protein should be prioritized. Protein, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is the most important macronutrient. Fats, super important, especially saturated fats. But I think that within the keto community, you know, we, we quite often hear that um, people uh, restrict their protein intake. Mm-hmm. And I think it's to their detriment. Um, they're scared of going over their protein consumption in fear of gluconeogenesis, pulling, pulling them from a ketogenic state. Mm. But this, is, mm. this has been disproven. Um, I think we, you know, we need, uh, as Dr. Benjamin Bickman illustrates in, in his, his talks and his studies, that um, it's the glucagon to insulin ratio that allow us to be ketogenic. And when we consume, overconsume protein, the glucagon to insulin ra- ratio remains unchanged. So, you know, it, it may affect. Uh, you know, your ketone strips and the ketone reading, but it won't affect um, your ability to be ketogenic. Wow, that's interesting. Because, yeah, I thought, yeah, like there was, because this is this, the, the raging argument within the keto world of, you know, 85% fat, 15% of carbon and protein combined, and it's sort of the pure sort of keto. But that's pretty bloody hard to do, to be fair. And, is, and when you add a bit of protein in, it makes it a hell of a lot more doable and sustainable. Yeah. Then when you're so just we, eating fat, you know. I think we got to look at what would we have been eating as we were evolving. And we'd be eating animal protein. And when we eat these foods in complex, they contain proteins and they contain fats. Yes. They don't contain carbs. Um, so I think we need to look at, uh, at food at, at, at that level. An egg, you know, is um, it's roughly 50-50 fats to protein as far as grams go. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, you know, when we look at food in that sort of uh, respect, you know, we need to adopt and pull that into living a keto lifestyle because that's how we've evolved is eating these foods in complex. We we wouldn't have been, um, what source would we have got our fat from as we were evolving if we were trying to restrict protein? We wouldn't have been restricting protein. Um, and it doesn't change your ketogenic state. So even being carnivore, my ketogenic state is still ketosis. I'm still, still burning ketosis. fat, if you will. Um, how do you keep burning fat when you have none? Like you, like none. You have very little. How? <laughs> this is a question just in my head. Like, how do you stay in ketosis the whole time? You know, and, and um, people like Dave Asprey talk about cycling in and out of ketosis. And then I interviewed um, a professor last week, and he said, "Oh no, stay in ketosis the whole time." What's your take on it? Do whether so you should I, cycle or not cycle? Uh, again, I think it comes down to individual but for me i've been ketogenic now for i, I say fully for, for nearly eight years and i have dipped in and out because i've experimented with carb cycling um my body's now adapted so i can eat a considerable volume of carbohydrates and still maintain a ketogenic state so my body will prioritize which fuel i'm using um which gives me a metabolic advantage i You're can flexible still, Exactly. So, wow. but I just choose not to. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. When I consume carbs, I don't feel as good. My mental clarity is reduced. Uh, these aches and pains come back, so they they don't work for me. So, 
I've heavily maintained a ketogenic state for quite some years um, because I feel that I benefited you know, from it a lot more. I've, as I say, I've experimented with you know, natural sources of carbs. And I'm, I think there, there's possibly a means to it. I think it, you know, for some people who are implementing berries and, and natural sources of fruit from raw honey, uh, but again, to what volume? I think. Yeah. You no, know, we we say that tiny um, amounts. Or... Yeah, but even then, when once you're adapted, I think you can still consume considerable amount of of carbs from from these sources and maintain a ketogenic state. So I think. So are you are you making your body sort of more? So you're making it more metabolically flexible. So you, that that cell goes, okay, I can either burn fat or I can burn glucose for energy. Both, I don't care you know, ketones, I can burn, I can burn this, I can burn that. So that conversion, that changing it up is much more, um, and that makes you younger metabolically speaking from a from a, a carb tolerance point of view. So now that you've been doing it eight years, you get away with it. You don't suddenly break out in that acne and put yes. on the muffin top within five minutes because your body has been uh, taught to do this, this metabolic flexibility. And um, this is where I think like the exogenous ketones, which your company produces and I'm hoping to import so that, you know, that's what we're hoping to do shortly because uh, I want a good quality exogenous ketone. This is where I think the exogenous ketones can really help people getting into a keto yep. way of life. Um, and I've certainly found it beneficial. Um, and it also helps some people can't get into ketosis for quite a long time depending on the drugs, like, uh, you know, just going through it with mum, she's on certain medications that were, no matter how keto I went with her diet, she wasn't getting into ketosis because yeah. the, the drugs were inhibiting that. So having her on exogenous ketones, in other words, ketones that you drink as opposed to what your body makes, um, has, has aided that transition massively and it's made it a lot less violent you know how you were really sick and you had that yes. keto flu and the cravings and most people break at that point right because it's very hard to fight against your biology when it's screaming for sugar but if you've got an exogenous ketones and some mct oil and c8 in the mix and you're not going to be starving and craving that's going to help your transition to lowering sure. the grains yeah. and the, the breads and the things and that you shouldn't be having and it's not just the ingestion of the exogenous ketones. The ketones are bound to electrolytes, so you're also getting plenty of electrolytes. Um, Good point. They're a fantastic way. Um, what I try not to promote is the usage of exogenous ketones while still maintaining you know, a high-carb lifestyle. There are people, I think there are health benefits to it, uh, and there's, there's a lot of research out there to, to back that up. Uh, but it, for me, it comes down to that core foundation, and I think comes back to re-educating about the effects of these carbohydrates and seed oils um and i think as long as you're mindful i, I think when, when you re-educate someone you, you're arming them with a tool and you're giving them um the means to make that decision so i've got this food i want to eat it but i know that if i eat it these are the effects and then it's it, it makes you double think uh but you're you're aware of the effects and more often than not, you decide to put that to one side. Actually, I don't I don't want that food. But if I do, I'm willing to accept the consequences today because tomorrow I'm going to be back eating strict and avoiding my grains and seed oils. 
Um, but ketones, as you say, are, are a fantastic way to to help induce a ketogenic state. I think there's many health benefits to taking them, whether you know you you are eating uh, consuming carbs or not. But again, um, you know, as a nutritionist, I bring, I try to bring it back to the foundation, the key sort of uh, element of of nutrition. Um, but yeah, they're a fantastic tool. Um, I think so yeah, I think they're bag, bags of research. <laughs> Um, you know, highlighting the health benefits of a lot of these studies that we look at when we look at um, a, a ketones are done through exogenous ketones because it's so difficult to get a group of people to maintain, as you know, a ketogenic. Yeah, and it's very hard. Yeah, um, so, so, so they do a lot of these studies with you know the ingestion of beta hydroxybutyrate orally, um, and even from these, the results are astonishing. Um, mm. I think we're just scratching the surface as well. I think I, I take exogenous ketones. Um, I'm in a ketogenic state. My body's producing ketones naturally. But what they do for me, I mean, this is where I am on an, a normal diet. I'm right up here living a keto lifestyle and taking ketones just does this, especially when it comes to, to training and recovery, mental clarity. When I do these uh, public speaking events, you know, I'll, I'll take in my ketones and I know that I'm fired up and switched on yeah. crystal clear. <laughs> You know, it um, and you can you can get the same effect or similar from from you know your MCTs, particularly C eight, but that uh, the effect of you know the the ingestion of exogenous ketones directly. It and gives it's you actually this, um, sorry to interrupt. The um, the benefits for the brain are huge, aren't they? Like we're we talking. This is this is really important for people who are suffering from early stage dementia, or you know, heading towards Alzheimer's, or have the genetic risk factors for for this, or if you've had repeated brain injuries from playing rugby or some sport or whatever. Um, these people really can benefit because the yeah. brain needs a hell of a lot of fuel. Like it takes up, I think, twenty percent of our entire fuel supply, and it loves ketones. And, and when you have, for example, uh, brain injuries, um, aneurysms, strokes, uh, you know, from sport injuries, concussions, um, your ability to uptake the glucose, it becomes impaired. And if you are older and you have insulin resistance, which we talked about before, your ability to take uptake that in the brain is also impaired. So yeah. you're going to have this decline in your mental abilities. So for me, even if you like the exogenous ketones are a really good way. Like I've got, I'm working with a couple of stroke people, people with strokes, um, getting those ketones into them in the acute phase, especially is just gold. And even if I can't because they're in a hospital and I can't get them on a keto diet, which is definitely the case because they're going to be putting in bloody glucose lines into them, which I have a heart attack at, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but if I can get them some ketones in the mix, at least I can protect the brain a little bit from that yes. glucose, you know. Um, and so for people that are dealing with that, think about that as well. Think about how this is going to protect you neurologically moving forward. Because I think that's also a really important factor to, to highlight. Yeah. And before when you mentioned, you know, when you, before you did the keto diet and you were overweight and you had all this inflammation. So when you have aches and pains, when you have osteoarthritis, when you have acne, when you have bloating, when you have any of these signs, these are signs that your body has inflammation. Yeah. And inflammation is a warning sign to you that you are eating or doing something wrong, whether it's excessive sport, like in my case, whether it's uh, being exposed to toxins or whether it's your food. 
you know, one of those thing, things is going to be the culprit of that inflammation or, you know, there are other things as well, medications and things like that. But you have to get to the root bottom. What is the what is causing the inflammation? So when we're looking at something like osteoarthritis, people go, oh, I injured my knee, therefore I have a, a arthritis. No, you had injured your knee. Your body sent chemicals there to cause inflammation for the pure purpose of repairing that and then other chemicals are meant to come in and quell that inflammation and move on. If you are an inflamed individual because you are eating wrong and you are doing things wrong, no one comes with a fire extinguisher. That inflammation stays. That breaks down the chondrocytes. That breaks down the, the, the joint over time. And you get, you know, different enzymes that break it down. Um, so at the root cause of it is not, yes, the injury was a catalyst. But often it's the inflammation piece of the puzzle that people aren't going back to. So with someone has osteo, they need to go and recheck their diet. They need to try the keto diet. They need to cut their carbs. They need to get rid of their inflammation and do some intermittent fasting or whatever it takes and then watch what happens in your body. Watch what happens to your joints. I used to have chronic, when I was doing the running and I have a very bad back, I broke it when I was young and I had uh, four discs now that are gone and I have arthritis in the back i had constant pain i was gotten to the point where i could hardly run run anymore and i was having spasms all the time and a big piece of that recovery was core training so that was definitely a big piece but the second piece was i got rid of the inflammation in the body and the pain went away that you, nobody talks about that nobody says to you that lower back pain that you're having could well be coming from the inflammation in the body Look at that piece of the puzzle before you go and have surgery. <laughs> yes. And I think it's, um, it's such an easy thing to do, something that we can reap massive benefits from very quickly. So the second we cut out the grains and the seed oils, um, this information seems to go away in, in days. Um, it doesn't with everybody, but it, it certainly seems to help uh, everybody we've worked with considerably, if not completely. Um, I don't suffer with aches and pains anymore, apart from mm. training pains. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I, I'll take all day long. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I got um, But yeah, it, um, it is. It's the foods we eat. These, these heart-healthy seed oils that we're told to consume, uh, you know, they're not heart-healthy. In fact, they do the opposite. Um, you know, these foods are high in an omega-6 called linoleic acid, oxidized uh, linoleic acid, um, which is highly inflammatory. Um, and it's probably one of the main drivers of, of cardiovascular disease. When mm. we look at um, a, a cholesterol at an LDL level, my, my LDL is very high. My overall cholesterol uh, is double figures. Mm -hmm. um, so and you're not is, worried uh, about it? No, I, I'm, if I get it higher, <laughs> if I could. <laughs> Funny that. Um, so I, an interesting thing, um, there's a talk that I, um, or a presentation that I've done, <coughs> excuse me, uh, which I published to YouTube recently. It's on, it's on the website. Oh, cool. It goes into depth about cholesterol and it looks at um, uh, post-surgery with an injury that I had following an operation on my shoulder. And the the operation had to, uh, it left a wound that had to remain open and be packed daily. And it involved me going to the nurse each day where they get this gauze and these these uh, tweezers and they push this gauze deep inside Ooh. And it, yeah, <laughs> not awful. a pleasant experience. Um, 
But I was told to expect a 12-week healing period. Um, in fact, the quickest amount of time that they'd seen anything like this heal was 10 weeks. And mine healed in just over three. <laughs> so nine, nine weeks quicker. And my LDL is very high. I've got a super high protein intake from the local butcher, which is grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Um, and it healed really quickly. And this is one of the things that cholesterol has been shown to do in studies is aid post-surgery. Um, and I put it down to, to my, my high LDL. So LDL is touted as bad cholesterol, but it, LDL is what heals and repairs the body. And it only becomes bad through the excess consumption of carbohydrates, which, which causes them to become glycated uh, and oxidized through the consumption of seed oils. And it's this that leads to you know, after atherosclerosis, um, these consumption of carbs, they damage the glycocalyx line in the arterial wall and so mm-hmm. do oxidized LDL particles. And it allows these oxidized and glycated particles to travel into the subendothelial space um, where the, the macrophages in the subendothelial space yep. have got a, a, a receptor called a, a scavenger receptor. Yeah. So this, um, every LDL particle is, contains a, a receptor, uh, an ApoB100 receptor that the liver will detect so once it's done, this little journey around the body, the liver will sort of grant it back access back into the liver for, for recycling. But when it's damaged, the liver can't read this receptor. But these macrophages can, and, and they pull in these LDL particles until it, you know, it grows into a form cell. And this, mm-hmm. this form cell is, is, is the beginning of, of um, atherosclerotic plaques. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it, it comes from you know, in the overconsumption of carbohydrates and seed oils. Um, so these seed oils are not heart healthy. In fact, they're doing the opposite. And what is heart healthy for us are saturated fats. Yep. Um, and that's what I consume an awful lot of. <laughs> and what are the seed oils? Can you list off some of the seed oils that you, we need to avoid? Because people, yeah, like, you know, they go in the sunflower oil and there's uh, canola oil and it's got cholesterol free on the, on the package. It's yeah. good for me. And so what, what are <laughs> cholesterol is essential for life, isn't it? So sunflower yeah. oil, safflower oil, as you say, canola oil, peanut oil, um, anything that says vegetable oil. Now, the, the misleading thing there is that it, these oils don't come from vegetables. We see vegetable and we think, oh, it must be good for us. These come from seeds uh, and, and the process they go to to create. I mean, it's highly processed. They use chemicals like hexane. Um, these things are damaging to the body. Um, and th- these oils were once used as machine lubricant, and now we're putting them into our bodies. Um, they're highly damaging. And it, and it comes down to a study that um, Ansel Keys did, um, as you mm-hmm. know, Ansel Keys from the mm-hmm. Seven Country Study. Uh, he did um, the Minnesota coronary artery experiment, where uh, it covered six mental institutes in Minnesota. And um, they swapped saturated fats for vegetable oils. Um, in an attempt to lower cholesterol. Oh, what they, this, this, this did lower cholesterol, mm. but it also um, increased all-cause mortality or risk of death. So the study showed that um, you know, stripping saturated fats and replacing them for vegetable and seed oils increased your risk of death. So the results weren't published for, for many years because they didn't okay, uh, adhere to what industry. they were expecting to, you know, to find, which mm. to me is borderline criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and this is the misleading thing. So it, it shows that, you know, yeah, it, it lowers cholesterol, but lower cholesterol isn't, isn't necessarily good for us. We need cholesterol. It's essential. We need it for our hormones. We need it we for need our it for brain everything. function, you know, exactly. and we need the HDL. I bet your HDL is high as well, not just your yeah. LDL high. Yeah. And that, that's an yeah. important piece, you know. 
Because every cell in the body is made of cholesterol. Um, it's imperative for cell formation, cell communication, nutrient absorption, nutrient transportation, hormone production, um, healing, repairing. It's essential. And it, uh, it's something that we shouldn't be feared. You know, what we should be fearing is, um, is these seed oils that are damaging our, our good LDL and making them bad LDL. So, so fish oils, fat from, from animals, uh, olive oils, cold-pressed, pure, extra virgin, not ones that have been used with solvents to, to extract it. Um, what's your take on flaxseed oil? Um, I'm not a fan um personally yeah i'm not a fan mm-hmm. on on any I, I won't consume uh i'll tell you the oils that i that i consume or the fats that i consume yeah. so i'll consume butter tallow lard ghee avocado oil coconut oil olive oil and that's about it that's it and, and, yeah and i think to be honest i, I prioritize oil, and fish yes the, the omega-3s yeah. but I'll, I'll obviously get the omega-3s through eating fish yeah i don't supplement because um when you look at studies of, I, I think there's a place for omega threes. If yeah, you, you need are, quality, you need quality. But quality. even these omega threes over time can become oxidized, and still act in the same way that, um, despite being an omega three, they can still uh, have an effect on the prostaglandins. Um, so it um, the prostacyclins from boxings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it. Um, it, it Man, it's, I could learn a lot from you. It. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I don't think there's enough hours in the day, is it? But no. <laughs> these omega threes through, through through supplement form, I think there's there's a place for them. Um, but I'm always an advocate of getting it through the right sources. Um, but the, even these capsules of omega three can become oxidized. Uh, but the beauty is that the volume is low, and they do still have anti-inflammatory effects despite being oxidized. Um, at least that's what the studies seem to show. But it, um, I think, if you can remove them from supplement form and consume them from fresh from fresh fish salmon mackerel is probably one of the better sources sardines um you know you're going to be much better off there um so i think it comes back to fresh is best yeah getting it from getting things from food when you can for sure yeah when you can yeah and it's something that i've been you know because uh I have bad genetics for such things, like cardiovascular. I've got a really bad glycocalyx, <laughs> genetically speaking, um, and so does mum. And there's a much higher pr- uh, risk of, of stroke and, and dementia, and uh, well, not so much dementia, um, stroke and aneurysms is the word I was looking for. Um, so I do supplement fish oil, but I'm very careful of what type of fish oils I'll get and where I get, you know, source it. And then, of course, you have to trust a little bit. Um, and and then I do put fish into the mix, quite a lot of fish. I do get concerned with the mercury. Um, so I put in chlorella into the mix to try to help counterbalance that that um, mercury risk, if you like, because there's often downsides with fish as well. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and again, it comes back to this rabbit hole we were talking about. You know, yeah. um, even when we're looking at, at, at natural foods and things, we've got to start being or boxing clever. Um, and when we're looking at... Um, if I speak to a client or a customer that's coming from a high carbohydrate uh, background that's eating a lot of processed foods and they want to go to the supermarket and buy, um, you know, uh, not wild or farmed salmon, um, I'll almost, I'll, I'll try to re-educate them and tell them to try to go for wild caught. Uh, but it's almost to the point that it's a step. 
in the right direction and it's almost yeah. a, a transition. So and I, it's I a money thing too. Like it's hugely expensive to get wild caught and sometimes you can't get it, yeah. you know. So where do you draw the, draw the line? So, you know, if you've got someone who's on a very tight budget, they're wanting to step in the right direction, you have to make those uh, compromises sometimes yes. on, on what would be best and what is better, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think like going back to the basics is at, at least cutting out the real bad stuff. Start I there. This, I think that is the biggest improvement. I think, and this is why doing the talks, I talk so much about um, carbohydrates, grains and, and the seed oils. And it, um, uh, you, you'd be surprised how many people that I speak to who come in to see me who are type 2 diabetic uh, and they tell me that um, they're restricting sugar. And then for breakfast, you know, I'm having muesli with, with a cut of banana. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's all no, carbohydrates. I know that's all sugar. <laughs> exactly. And all carbohydrates, as you know, break down into sugar. Uh, but you'd be surprised how many people don't understand this. And, and this is what I try to do during the talks is re-educating people. All of these foods break down into sugar. It's all sugar. Uh, and I do this by illustrating like a, a pack of sugar. You know, this is sugar. I'll show some uh, some chocolate bars. This is sugar. And then I'll list the bread, pastas, rice. And these are all sugars too. All carbohydrates break down into sugar. Um, and I and I think that's an important message because it, it's about understanding Very. where sugar comes from. Um, and once we understand where sugar is coming from and the foods that we're consuming and they're breaking down into sugar, then we can start reducing these. Uh, and, and, and again, you know, coming back to the grains, and the seed oil. So these talks, half of my presentation um, doesn't touch base on keto. <laughs> it's all about general nutrition. Yeah, it's, this is what you're eating now. Th these are the effects that they have on the body. And these are the reasons why you should take them out. And then by doing so, you're already two, three steps closer to becoming ketogenic. You know, you, you generally go in low carb and the reasons to cut out the other foods. And then low carb is great, but there are massive advantages to becoming ketogenic. Uh, as you say, you know, with the supplementation of ketones, the body's producing these and the effects that they have on the body are absolutely incredible. And coming back to what you were saying about sort of dementia and, and, and Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, um, these grains, the wheat germaglutinin has been shown to travel up the vagus nerve and cause uh, or help sort of contribute Anxiety to Parkinson's. And, and so Park it, um, wow, Parkinson's. Yeah, so I mean, wow. it, um, I it, you know, it, these foods are, are damaging. You know, they, they, they poison to the human body. Um, and I think that... Um, so it's like that gut-brain gut, that gut connection too. Like the serotonin is produced 90% in your gut, right? So you've got poor gut health, you're going to have depression, anxiety as a, as a possible consequence, yeah. you know? And so and if you're genetically prone to that, because you have dysregulated serotonin or, or whatever the case may be, then you're double whammy, you know. So so getting that gut health right is really, really important. And on that point, which is a bit of a sidetrack, but I'll mention it, um, the contraceptive pill that, you know, 85% of women on the entire planet have been on or are on, uh, which is to me like a huge experiment on, human, on humans, um, that has been shown now in studies I've forgotten the name of the researcher to damage the gut lining and cause leaky gut and that affects the thyroid and, and so on and so forth. So, Back you know, this, yeah, it, it is quite frightening. The, for, you know, so women in that, you know, like me were on the pill for 30 something years. I didn't know. I, I just, 
um, I didn't understand the implications of that on my gut health, on my thyroid, on um, your hormones. You're, you're shutting down a whole system, and that's a comp- you know I've done a few uh, episodes on that. But that too attacks your gut health, you know. And then throw some antibiotics in the mix, and the lectins and the you know the, the grains and the uh, <laughs> and you can see how our our, our gut becomes a real problem place and if we can start working towards improving and tightening up those junctures as you said by not putting gluten and gliadin and grains and lectins into the mix how massive that would be exactly exactly yeah. and i think there's um you know it's not just greens and plants that contain these lectins um you know they're in all you know, foods that we eat but they're in much lower quantities um, so I think, it, yeah, I mean, grains seem to be one of the biggest contributing factors along with seed oils. And that's why I make them rule number one and two yep. to, to, you know, to restrict. And obviously the processed foods and alcohol, but I mean, it, uh, it's almost like a step process. Um, so, you know, you, you remove one, you remove the other, and it, it could even be week by week. But um, just by taking these these things and making these changes, and, and it's not a diet either. And, and that's the thing that um, the people... Uh, are confused about. Um, I don't. I don't diet. You know, I eat a lot. I eat a lot. Yeah. Um, especially trying to bulk. So I'm. I'm yep. in a in a in a bulking phase at the moment. Yeah. So the the amount of food that I need to eat, being ketogenic, is uh, <coughs> excuse me, is is, is astonishing. And <laughs> I'm I struggle to gain weight, um, but the weight that I do gain is quality weight. But it. Um, yeah, it's uh, the the volume that I've got to consume to try to add a few pounds um, is is crazy. The second I put carbohydrates in, um, my yeah, exactly. Muffin you know? top. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, you put on the weight a heck of a lot quicker. And you know, like when you look at um, people who are older, and they, get, they we get this middle age spread, and everyone thinks that that's normal, like your that your waist circumference should double in size as you get older. No, that's that's a sign. That's your first obvious sign of me- metabolic dysregulation. And that visceral fat is the dangerous fat. You know, if it's on your bum and your legs, I'm not too worried. Like that fat is, you know, you can use it and you can use it up. But that stuff around your gut that's going to lead to more inflammation and fatty liver diseases. And it's the gateway to, to all of the diabetic cancer, you know, all those things that kill us, that is the gateway, you know? And I like, I look back at my, my dad who I lost last year, dad wouldn't listen to me. So, you know, he smoked and he, and he ate fish and chips and he, and he, you know, he, he, he had a healthy lifestyle with working outside all day. So that was a saving grace. He was strong and healthy at 81 um, until he wasn't but what got him you know he he didn't look overweight because he was a big powerful strong man but his waist circumference was too big he had a lot of visceral fat he was uh pre-diabetic he had atherosclerosis and had in, ended up with an um, aortic aneurysm in the stomach which is the main aorta now what caused that and now you know um, I, I didn't know as much as I know now. After going through that experience, I started to dive deeper into into things. If the arterial stiffness, and this is where we were talking about the cholesterol and the macrophages going in and infiltrating and causing the stiffening of the arteries and the plaque buildup, that was going on on the inside. Now, to look at my dad, he was not overweight. 
he was powerful, he was big, he was strong, and he was fit because he was outside. And he thought he could get away with eating whatever he wanted because he'd always been able to. But on the inside, he had visceral fat that was actually just, you know, contributing to you know, his ultimate, you know, demise. Um, and I'm working with a couple of athletes who are extremely good athletes, like long, long-distance runners, and they too have that visceral fat that they're not aware of until, uh, you know, because they don't look it. They don't have that big protruding belly that we would associate with that. They can be flat as a, as a die, but if, if their circumference, and if you, if, you, if you can see your musculature of your core, it's not actually about the six-pack. It's not what we're worried about. It's actually, well, then you probably haven't got that inflammatory response going on, and you probably haven't got that visceral fat if you can actually see your abdominals. Um, so that's always for me a good measure of how I'm doing, you know. Yeah. Is is my is my have I got a six pack at the moment or not? You know? Yeah. When I do that I know I'm probably not too inflamed. It's a yeah. good, you know, measure without having to do a blood test sort of thing. Is a is a is a measuring stick. That's just me. It's not scientifically valid by the way, anybody. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the way I measure it. <laughs> but hey Rich, you know you have a company called Keto Pro. And I'm looking forward to working together with you and, and importing some of your products down here and I'm excited about that. What do you have in your line and why has it been so important for you to like quality above everything? So one of the biggest probably mistakes that I've made um, is all of the money has gone into product research and development. So the quality of the product <laughs> it's not a mistake. Top quality. Yeah. But I the mistake is I don't have the money to market. <laughs> We've got this product. So you've got to come on bloody podcasts and share. Oh, know, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's trying to convert people and, and people get, you know, they, they, they become brand loyal. Um, so there's, I won't mention the brand name, but there's a brand name uh, within the protein industry that um, uh, very well known, spent the majority of their budget on marketing, a very little on research <laughs> and development. So the product is rubbish. But they marketed it so well that it's one of the most used uh, proteins around the world. Um, and that's what I mean that I've gone about it sort of the wrong way. Obviously, I've got to stay true to my, uh, yes. my morals and the quality of the product is of the utmost importance to me. Um, so I've done it the right way. Yeah. It's just it's difficult, to, uh, difficult to market a product, especially um, you know, we, we, we're a small company and keep it within the UK isn't um as big as it is in the in the us and the rest of the world so i, I think it, it comes down to re-educating people and explaining that you know there's a lot of common misconceptions about keto you know the cholesterol ketoacidosis um just to mention a few um and i and that's what we're trying to do is re-educate people you know one for the, the betterment of their health uh and two to try to promote you know, our business and our products. So we do these talks for free. Um, I spend most of my day with clients and customers for free, you know, sort of uh, giving free advice, um, which is super time consuming. Again, probably not yes. the, best, uh, uh, the, <laughs> the best usage of my time. Um, but the products we do, we do um, uh, the world's highest purity C8, which is 99.9%. So wow. all the other brands you see online will be 998 
So ours is 99.9. So yeah, it's only 0.1, but still, it, you know, it's, it's the best it's in the, the world. Quality. Yeah. And the caprylic acid, um, it's really important. Yeah. It's super important. Um, and we've we've transferred this into a powder version as well. Uh, and our So to create a powder, you have to bind it to fiber. So we've bound it to acacia fiber. Um, there are not many companies in the UK who put, in fact, I think there's only one other company that produces a C8 in, in a powder form. Our acacia fiber mixture is lower, so our C8 volume is more. So again, a superior product. Um, we do uh, electrolytes, keto. I call them keto electrolytes. You know, they're electrolytes that anybody can use. Um, we've added molybdenum, selenium, and astaxanthin. Wow. Um, as well as vitamin C. Uh, and we've we've gone in at a much higher ratio of electrolytes compared to other companies because when we look at sort of sodium and potassium consumption. You know, we're told with sodium especially to avoid it, but the, the research says otherwise. Um, there's yeah. a study uh, published on the BMJ, uh, the British Medical Journey, which looks at um, the excretion of sodium. Um, I think it covers uh, over 100,000 people and 17 countries, and they measured the volume of sodium that was excreted um, uh, and can, sort of compare this to all-cause mortality and anything below sort of 1.5 grams of sodium so um sort of 1500 milligrams uh, massively increased risk of death wow and we're told as a society to, to avoid sodium, sodium. But, yep. but what this study showed was that the, the optimum level was sort of between 4,000 to 6,000 milligrams um which when we look at table salt Table salt is less than 40% sodium. So we'd need 14 to 15 tablespoons of sodium to, to reach that sort of volume, which is an awful lot. So we've put um, a high amount of sodium and potassium, and we've used bioavailable minerals as well as so the, the most bioavailable that we can you know, that we can find. Um, so again, this is a product that um, is, is almost unique. One, because of the volume of the electrolytes, but also, we've used all natural ingredients and we, we don't use any artificial sweeteners, which at least Brilliant. in the UK, uh, we're, we're the only company that I can find that use all natural ingredients, including sweeteners. Um, and the astaxanthin we use is a natural astaxanthin. So there are companies using astaxanthin, but ours is natural, which is 20 times stronger than, than a synthetic version. So that's one of our best, best products, I think. Um, I, I say best. I mean, as, as far as sellers, I have to try that um, too. Yeah, yeah. It, I'll have to send you some. Um, and for endurance athletes, that would be good as well. Yeah, you know, so this yeah. is what we give to uh, to Shane Williams during his uh, his events last year. Um, it's taken off well within sort of the local community with athletes that we're working with. Um, that's what I'm drinking now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I want to try that. I want to try that. Um, and we also do we do keto protein, collagen, keto bars. Uh, keto coffee creamer i'm keen for um, the bars man i love having a bar you know like because it's just yeah. so convenient to have a and it's yes. a snack and it's tasty and it's good you and know? They're, they're ideal when you're on the go especially yeah so the athletes seem to be using these as well yeah uh, they contain 15 grams of mct per wow. bar um so that's an awful big serving when you're on an endurance event uh, and they're, they're ideal you know to pick you up when oh, chuck, chuck me a couple of those over, would you? <laughs> I'm look at that as well. Yeah, because, I, you know, like, that, to me, like, yes, I know, like, you and I are both entrepreneurs. We're both very passionate. We're both sharing our stuff all the time. I'm like, you, yeah, we'll give, you know, 
hours and hours and hours away of free advice, like just constantly. And I'm always being told by my team, like, hey, you've got to bloody focus on the, you know, but it's a grassroots movement, you know, and it's, a, and, it, and it takes, what we got to be careful is we don't burn the crap out, you know, like burn ourselves out to the point that we're of no use to anybody and then our companies don't grow, you know, like you do have to at some point, you know, get the team around you and protect that and, you know, make sure that you're focusing on the right things in order to grow. And, you know, it's it's tough being a, an entrepreneur who has values. <laughs> it's very easy to be one who has, and then you can just make a lot more money really much more quicker. But um, I think in the long run, uh, that you know we're doing it the right way and the, the quality and caring the best you can you know and w- when you're a small team or one person or a couple of people yeah you're not, not going to get everything right all the time like I know sometimes systems and you know you, you're just constantly scrambling for buying the next thing selling the next thing in order to keep the, 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 the machine growing and and you know, developing and stuff, but I think we're doing it right, right way around. It's got to sit right here. Yeah. And um, I, I keep going back to why I started to do what I do. And it was in order to help people. Um, and I, you're probably familiar with this within the sort of keto movement. Um, you know, th- there's a divide between supplement keto, keto people will take supplements and keto people that want. So even within our community, um, I, I often come up against, you know, well, you're just trying to sell a product and it's, well, no, you, you don't understand my story. This is no. coming from, come from this to where I am now. I've made these products for me to use and for you to use to improve your health and well-being, to improve your lifestyle. And never, ever um, apologize for that. Yeah, it, it's, it's, you it's know, tough. like it's, 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 yeah. it's a constant, it's a constant battle. Um, you know, it, um, it, it is really difficult because as you say, we're so passionate about what we do. Uh, and and the fact that we want to help others and change the lives of others is, as I say, it's it's almost the, the, we have this secret, and I'll yeah. tell anybody that wants to listen to it. And I do, <laughs> and I end up talking to these people for hours all Me day, um, and then day. they'll go away yeah. and never come back again. And it's like, yeah. oh, but, but at least I hope that they've taken on board at least one of, of the pieces of information. Um, but I as love, a business, love, it's difficult because it. we we do a grassroots, as you say, we need to to you know to pay the bills and make. A small profits so we do need to sell those products too um and it's difficult it is difficult you're constantly stuck between a rock and a hard place i don't sell products um i say i don't sell them to make obviously we, we, we want to make money to, to you know to, to grow our business because without the business we can't continue to help people exactly you know, if, if and you've got no power with, exactly um yep. and the, i don't I don't man- manufacture or sell products that i don't believe in i use everything everything that i've made I've made for me to use, for me to maximize my health and well-being. And now I'm giving them to you. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's coined with that supplement thing. And it's, no, you don't need supplements. But as you say, the ketones help induce a ketogenic state. You know, the C8 oil does. The electrolytes help combat the keto flu. We do collagen, you know, which is type one and type three. Um, you know, the bars. So, you know, they help you if you feel like snacking and, and eating a Mars bar or, or whatever, then yeah. you, know, you go for you go for a keto bar instead. So it um I believe in the products. Um but it is it's super difficult. You you're constantly up against that. Even within our community, I'm so you know you, you sort of feel ostracized sometimes because yeah. it's supplement based. Um 
I, 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 you know, I think you get to the point where you just like you stop apologizing for yourself, you know. And when yeah. from someone like me looking at, at your company and what you do and the quality of your products and why I connected with you is because I, I can see that value behind the 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 thing, you know. And then there's no bullshit there. And I've seen the story. And when someone has a backstory like you have or like I have pretty damn passionate about giving people the right information and changing lives and if you if you can't like i can't go for a coffee without an hour's combat my drive my husband nuts by the way because he wants to have a coffee with his wife right every day people are coming up and i'm telling you and i and i will share and i will talk and i will encourage and i'll, I'll give them you know free advice constantly and, and it's it's hard sometimes because you you do at the end of the day you're exhausted and you haven't made a dollar yeah, it um, is. yeah, but you've changed somebody's life. You've maybe planted a seed. You've done something, and yeah, I keep getting told that I need to, you know, focus more. <laughs> don't don't do that all the time. And yeah, it, it is. is exhausting, it's but it's hard when that's who you are, and you live it and is. breathe this, and you you really want people to have that information. You know, like with my. Uh, stories with my dad and my mum and my the journeys that I've been on the medical world, you know, I'll, I'll tell anybody who wants to listen because it might save that person's life or their mum and dad's life. Or and and I can't live with myself if I don't let stop it. You know, if I don't stop something it, bad happening, it it is exactly. And it um, for us because we understand is to me it, it almost feels like. A form of neglect if you if you were not to tell that person mm-hmm. um i often get told by friends and family that um you know you shouldn't tell people the things that you do i think but it <laughs> i know too. what effects you know these things are having and i'm just trying to make a difference to that person that person may think that i'm a complete idiot and i'm you know going on to them you shouldn't be today and, and i don't do it in that way but it, you try to re-educate people but to me um you know my little girl is, is seven um, and I'm not super strict with the foods that she eats, but I, I don't want to ostracize her in, 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 in the essence of when she goes to school and to friends' parties that she doesn't have the foods that everybody else is eating. But I do make sure that she eats the foods that I eat and that she yes. understands that these foods are not good, you know, but if you want to eat them, you know, it's you sort of... You empower her to make a decision. Yes. But these foods are highly nutrient-dense and these are the foods that... You know that I eat and that you should be doing. So she makes her own choice, but I, I know she does eat the food that I eat. But um, as I was explaining to somebody recently, it, um, it it for me not to give her the foods that I eat and to tell her eating these foods is fine. To me, that's neglect because I know what these foods are doing to the human body. I know the damage that they're causing, um, and and I I don't want that, and I don't want it you know for my daughter and i don't want it for you and i don't want it for anybody else so i'll tell everybody um t- to my detriment probably <laughs> probably um but yeah awesome. i'm the same as you it's, I, i'll stop and talk to anybody anywhere and i'll and i'll tell them and as you say whether they appreciate and take it on board or not you know, you've done your bit and, and, and if they take away one piece of information from that and improve their health and well-being then our job is done but in order for us to do that we need to have the time to do it, and that's us working for ourselves and yeah. and having our businesses turning a small profit. Um, the second we are out of of that business, and we are working for somebody else again, you're no we, good we can no to anybody. Do that, you know, you can't, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, um, 
it is a catch twenty two, and we'll find the formula one day. Um. If, you, if you find it, let me know. <laughs> uh, well, I think working together is is you know little companies like we are. I think that's that's a start. You know, because then you you double your influence, and I've now brought yes. your knowledge to my audience today. And I hope that they've taken that on board. And I think we may have re-educated uh, a lot of people. And you've certainly taught me a whole lot of things I didn't even know. Um, so yeah. thank you so much, Rich, today for your time, your passion. No and I'm really looking forward to getting Keta Pro down here and having having some of those and sharing that with my with my my audience and my team. So it's going to be fantastic. Um, Rich, before we go, where can people find you? Obviously, so, they're going to find yeah. you on my website shortly, but um, where else can yeah. they find you? <laughs> so um, online web address is uh, theketopro.com, all one word. Um, we are physically in South Wales, UK. We do have a high street shop, um, so which you can find on Google, but obviously you know, the, the, the internet. Uh, we are worldwide, so anybody sort of looking for info. And the website contains information as well. We've got free guides on there. Um, there are some videos and we're constantly up in uh, and adding new content to Brilliant. that. As I say, that cholesterol video is on there. Um, and I've got so many more in the pipeline that, I, that I'm looking to, uh, to do. We're writing these in the background. So the website isn't just product based. It is information based as well. And is, um, it's certainly worth looking at it if, if, uh, if you have any questions or doubts or queries, um, and whether it's to look at a product or not, there's information on there that I think everybody can benefit from for sure. Absolutely. We'll um, so links. that's where we are, theketopro.com. Ketopro.com. And you're on Instagram at ketopro, keto-pro. Yeah, keto, keto-pro. Keto-pro. It's the lower, the lower um, dash, isn't it? Keto-pro yep. on, on Instagram. Yep. And on Facebook, we are keto-pro on Facebook as well. Uh, as I, our previous talks, there is a company which is based in the States that are selling um, keto pills, which we have no association with. Um, they have uh, brands called Keto Pro X, uh, okay, so Keto Plus Pro, but we have no association with them. So if you are Googling, uh, be sure you know, to look for us directly. Um, we've got no association with, with any pill companies. We don't believe in, in, in the pills. Um, so yeah, not, not to be confused with. <laughs> yeah, so keto hyphen pro or underscore pro on Instagram. I'll put all the links in the show notes, Rich. Thank you so much for your time today. It's just been bloody awesome. Been a pleasure, as always. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends. And head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com.